I do my best to live a healthy lifestyle. I try to get out there, work out, break a sweat when possible. I'm not necessarily a fitness or a, a wellness freak, but I'm just trying to be a little bit healthier every single day, which is where Sun Warrior comes into play for me. It is a plant-based, eco-friendly, performance-boosting, all things brand that I want to talk about. And it's their active nutrition line that is something that I've been messing around with over the course of the past couple of months. And it's really working out for me because with protein, creatine, pre-workout and hydration, these products are designed to optimize your performance. And I'm always up for optimizing any aspect of my life, even boosting my own energy reserves or being more hydrated after a long day in the gym or on the golf course. It really does turbocharge my recovery. It's something that I really take seriously and it's real nutrition for real life. So go check out sunwarrior.com and use code FIRST. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Tour Championship DFS preview. And oh boy, it is a special one we've got this week. And helping me break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. Greg, staggered start, my friend. Staggered start. Rick, you love this week. You're, love you're all fired up, I can tell. I'm What's the amped. biggest advantage you have this week? Why do you love this week so much? Uh, okay, so I think this is... I think this is one or one a of like the best strategy weeks. The match play is awesome because everyone messes up the match play and they play guys who are in the same pod against one another and then they can't advance on. That's a really bad thing. So you can optimize the match play. Uh, this is the next one where with a staggered start and the, 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 the pricing is so different. There's guys that are, I mean, Dustin Johnson's 15,200. Mark Leishman's five. There's just a huge range of salaries, but with the staggered start, you have to understand what is actually possible of happening and what you're rooting for and like how far can guys actually come back from. And a lot of people are going to mess it up. And I think it gives the sharper folk uh, a bit more of an edge. So you mentioned this word. And of course, we all have a terrible fear of this. How do you, how do you mess this up? Well, we're going to get into this. So um, before we do, <laughs> give us a watch on YouTube at First Cut Pod. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Same thing, at First Cut Pod. Uh, there's a couple ways that you could mess this up. So th the biggest way of messing this up is uh, thinking someone can come back and win this golf tournament who's going to start it at like two under. Uh, is that possible? Sure. Anything is possible, but not really, right? You, you would need every single thing to go right. So we just looked back at last year. That was the first year that we had the staggered start. The only year that we've had the staggered start. Uh, it was pretty clear, I think to, to me and to everybody else in the industry, Rory McIlroy was as far back as anybody could have come back from. He was five under. His ceiling is so incredibly high. He, he had the ability to actually win that golf tournament from five shots behind, and he did. Um, Rory this year, like we'll get to him. I, I don't think he can win. I mean, he's seven shots back. He would need either a collapse by like seven guys ahead of him, or he would need to have, I mean, think what Rory at congressional think Rory at like, like he would need his absolute ceiling week this week. And I don't think people realize that. If you just take this group and, and this is when, when I look at tournaments that are underway, if somebody has a lead through 36 holes, what do they have to do to eliminate 
players from contention. And the farther under they get, it's quite obvious, they eliminate players that, are, that become too far back. And so if you're, if you're looking at – it's easy to look at Dustin Johnson, and we all know he's in control of this tournament. If he goes out and plays the way he's been playing, then he's going to eliminate basically everybody except maybe John Rahm and Justin Thomas, and, and maybe both of them as well. So you have to look aside if you're – especially if you're trying to pick a winner. But, but who else are you going to put on your team? So when you look at Rory McIlroy, how likely is it that DJ, Rom, Justin Thomas, Webb Simpson all have this weak uh, tournament? All, I mean, those are the four best players on the PGA Tour this year. Are they really all going to play poorly? Right. Very yeah, you, unlikely. You, you, would need, you would need subpar finishes from all of them, really. I, I mean, to open the door for Rory to even get to the winning number. Now, that doesn't mean Rory's not going to play well, and it doesn't mean he might not move up, and he might pass a lot of guys. But uh, when we're, we're talking about strictly winning this golf tournament, it, it's, it's a big uphill battle. Do you, do you look at a, a cumulative number um, that you think it's going to take to win? Like 23 under is going to win this week? Do you think yeah. there's a – is there a range or a target that you look at to decide that? Yeah, so I this is like the this is this will be the nerdiest uh, pod we do all year. So like I ran I ran a matrix for this where okay last year what was the winning score fourteen under I think or no eighteen under excuse me eighteen under par. Um, so I only have if the winning score is eighteen under based on where they're starting right now and also based on what their averages are, what their floors are, what their ceilings are. I only have four golfers who have a higher than 10% chance of getting to 18 under. They are Dustin Johnson, who gets there 35% of the time. John Rahm gets there 27% of the time. Justin Thomas gets there 19% and Webb gets there 18%. So from starting, uh, Rory McIlroy starting at three under to go 15 under at Eastlake over four rounds, I have him getting there 1.2% of the time. Wow. Small. Wow. And, and there's a likelihood that multiple players get there. Correct. Over, so even so if you it's get not there, just the 1% for Rory. Exactly. But you got to get, you got to hit the seven or the 65% that DJ doesn't get there. Correct. And uh, uh, whatever it is, the opposite of 27 that, that Rom doesn't get there. Yeah. So on and so forth. It just, it, the odds start, you can kind of, I feel like you can kind of start getting lost in the numbers here. You can definitely get lost in the numbers. Now, the big number is 30. There's 30 players here in the field this week. Again, a no-cut event. We're playing East Lake, which we've got great history with. I think it's hosted every year since 2005, I want to say, is the, is the year. But uh, absolute great history at, at East Lake. It's par 70. Um, and then the staggered start. So if you don't remember last year, if you're unfamiliar with it, Dustin Johnson, thanks to his – uh, position in the FedEx Cup standings is going to start the tournament at 10 under par. That means he's going to start on Friday, not Thursday, Friday morning, Greg, with 30 finishing position points on DraftKings. Um, now, that's important because when everyone tees off, like you're going to have scores before they finish their first hole, but it is it's, it doesn't stick with him, Greg. Like, like if he makes a double on the first hole and John Rahm makes a birdie, you know, Dustin Johnson, he goes down to second place finishing position point. So really it's just, you know, it, it ensures that he's, you know, likely not going to fall out of the top five or six or whatever, but it doesn't guarantee he keeps those points all week long. Do you think the price for that is, is fair? 
the because he's at he's up at fifteen thousand, right? Is, is that a is that a fair advantage if you consider a favorite where DJ is clearly the favorite and for good reason coming in, even though John Rom just beat him, but I understand why DJ would be the favorite coming in without strokes. Um, but, right. but it, do you think having these, this two stroke advantage on John Rom and having those 30 points that he's starting with that he can lose, do you think that's a, that's a fair price bump? No, I, I don't think it is. So, so it just high to me too. Yeah, to put this into perspective, Justin Thomas last year was fifteen thousand five hundred. So it's it's close enough. Now JT's lead evaporated uh, immediately. I don't think he was even. I don't even know if he was in the lead after the round one. Uh, I don't. I don't know if he was in the lead after nine. Yeah, I, I think it went away. And, and 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 what we've been seeing a lot on tour recently, Greg, is like Sunday morning that two that three shot lead that goes away in a blink. It's gone. Yeah, it can um, go away in one hole, and especially when you get to East Lake, where yeah. you have a a number of really challenging holes out there. It's gonna it's gonna flip pretty quick. I, yeah. I do think, and let, and DJ's of course DJ's in control. We have to understand that he's in control. He can make sure this doesn't flip very yeah. easily. And you're talking about two shots over four rounds with the best players in the world chasing you. Yes, I would rather have two shots, but I think it is, you know, 2500 bucks to pay for two shots feels like a lot, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about, um, what is it, a half a shot? A half a shot per round. Half a shot right? per that, round. That's, that's, not, that's not a lot, especially when you have the next, you have John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Webb Simpson trailing you. Now, of course, you have a shot around over Webb, um, but, but it's still, it, it's not that much. If it doesn't go your way, a couple breaks don't go your way here and there, all of a sudden you find yourself in the thick of it and you're the favorite coming in. It's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. And you know what else is going our way uh, today, specifically, Greg? Today is the debut of a new podcast from CBS Sports. For more than a decade, Fantasy Football Today has been delivering league-winning analysis and advice. Now they're coming at you fast with a brand-new feed. Don't worry, don't worry. The old one will stay the same. The Fantasy Football Today in 5 podcast is your audio outlet for fantasy news and advice in five minutes or fewer. I love this. The FFT crew will break down what matters most to help you win your league in a quick hitting format available first thing in the morning, Monday through Friday, download and subscribe to fantasy football today in five on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your smart speakers and anywhere else podcasts are found. Pretty good idea, Greg. I like that. I love the idea. I I love the quick rip. $10,000 $10,000 range. Let's just jump headfirst into this thing. Uh, not only $10,000, but $15,000. $15,200 for Dustin Johnson, who we mentioned will start with that two-shot lead at 10 under. John Rahm, $2,500 less. $12,700. He will start at eight under. Justin Thomas, $11,900. He'll start at seven under. Webb Simpson, the flat $11,000. And the only guy in the field who did not play last week, Six under par. Colin Morikawa, friend of the pod, 10,400. He'll be at five under. And one of the players to start at four under, Bryson DeChambeau, 10,100. There is a lot to digest here. We kind of talked about, hey, Greg, maybe that extra 2,500 bucks is a bit too much for the two-shot lead for DJ. I'm starting to feel that way. Does that mean Johnny Rom is kind of our guy here? Man, it's uh, this is an interesting group because DJ and Rom are playing great. They just had a really emotional battle 
uh, and and it was a, a dramatic battle, one for the ages, in in that playoff uh, that we've talked about so much, and and deservedly so. So I, I do think there's a big advantage to Rom here over DJ because of the price. Um, but going past that, JT, his form has been okay. I mean, not great, not Justin Thomas that you'd expect. Webb has been very good. Morikawa has been kind of just so-so. And Bryson, there's been a lot of question marks about him too. As he says, there's some funny side spin things going on. <laughs> that's, so, what I, that's what I say when I can't hit my irons too. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you think, Rick? Is it, There's this bias we always have. And yeah. it was proven, almost proven wrong last week where the guy <laughs> who just won, they can't win again. Do you think the staggered start shifts that? Do you think it makes you say, okay, well, I know John Rahm won last week, but he's sitting there at eight under. He's got a lead over pretty much everybody in the field except DJ. He can take on this one guy and win back-to-back weeks. It's weird, right? Like it's it's so different from any other tournament. The the fact that they're they're starting with a score. Uh, I will tell you this: so I, I've got this spreadsheet that I built out, um, and I did it last year, and I've been making upgrades throughout the throughout the year, getting ready for this. If every single golfer in this field just plays to their average, every single one of them, uh, John Rom's going to win this. John Rom would make up the two shots on Dustin Johnson and he would surpass him by about a quarter of a shot. Now that might result in a playoff that might, you know, it's not exact, but that should illustrate Greg that like Rom is not only possessing the skill set and the upside that he needs to win this golf tournament, but he's also in the right position on the leaderboard to start, which is critically important. But you take a little bit of pressure away. DJ's got a lot of pressure on him. It's a goal. He really wants to win a FedEx Cup, uh, as as he said. And you don't really hear DJ make uh, announcements like that. It may sound obvious, but sometimes you wonder if players really, how much they care about the playoffs at the end of a long season. This year especially, I feel like everybody has a, this, this FedEx Cup playoffs seems more important than it has in the past to the players. And I'm not saying it wasn't important before, but this just seems like it's a little elevated. So there's a lot of pressure. And if you're DJ sitting in that leading role, that can change the, your, your recent form. It can change the way you've been playing really quick, especially if a couple holes early on don't go your way. And all of a sudden that lead is wiped away and, and now you're in, a, you're in a fight and it's with John Rahm. So, yeah. man, I, I, think, I think John Rahm's in a really good place. He has played well here before. Not overly well. The, the other thing I want to get your thoughts on, when you look at guys' past results, mm-hmm. they look a little bit inflated. You see, like, John Rahm has a T7, a T11, and a T12. Well, those are great finishes at most venues. But here, that's kind of kind of close to middle of the pack. I almost, I almost look at top fives as top tens here rather than top tens as top tens because there's only 30 players. Yeah. Okay. So like a 10th place finish here is what essentially a like 60, no, like a 50th place finish in a normal week. If you do top 30% of the field. Well, do you do the whole field or do you do guys who made the cut? I would do the whole field. There's a whole whole, field. here. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'm so right. And yeah, I guess, I guess I see your point. And even if you did, even if you did um, just the cut, you're still looking at a 20th place finish. Right. So when you move the, yeah, and when you look at it and you go, oh, uh, yeah, he's got three straight top 15s. You're like, oh, that's not, that's not that good. That's like he right. made the, he's middle of the, the, middle of the road. Yeah, um, now the, other, the opposite is true, though, I guess, for um, last year because, like, 
I, I don't know. If, I don't even know if our mics were hot when I was talking about this. Uh, like Ches Reevy won everyone all the money. Ches Reevy was the guy who I think started one under. He ends up finishing eighth. He wins every. That's that's the guy. That's the guy that jumps up. Now you might look at that and go, "Oh, an eighth place finish. That's not that good." But he started like twenty third or something like that. He made up all this ground. He finishes six under par. That like you, it goes both ways. As you have to remember, there was a staggered start last year. When we start looking at the um, course history, like five years from now, ten years from now, and you're looking at Victor Hovland's record at Eastlake. <laughs> It's going to be really hard to calculate what you're, you're going to have to look at actual numbers that they shot. Yeah. Because the, the finishing position, the rank, the top fives, they speak a little bit to the season, not just to how they actually played at the golf course. So uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that plays out in, in the future. Um, but, but looking at it now, it's interesting. There are a couple guys, Webb Simpson to me, he's a guy with three top fives. Yeah. Let's talk. It about doesn't one. seem like a web course and he's four shots back, which, it seems like a lot for Webb, but he makes a ton of birdies. Do you give him – what kind of chances do you give Webb? Because I'm kind of looking at him in this group as, as the value player who is, aside from DJ and Rom, I think he's playing better than anybody else in this group. I sneaky, sneaky love Webb in this spot. Um, his, so if you look at the strokes gain numbers, which is whether you like them or not, shout out Mark, whatever, like they are the best metric we have to measure golfers against one another because every condition and lie and shot, and it's all so different. Every course, every week changes. It, it, it's, you know, whatever. It's either that or height, one of those two. One or, one or the other, height or strokes gain. I don't know, but I'll go with strokes gain. Webb's awesome. Webb gains a ton of strokes on the field, and it's so easy to look at it this week and say, okay, if he averages 1.7 strokes gained on the field every single round, calculated over four rounds like you know you can you can see easily how he can make up that four shots now i will tell you and we were talking about this before we went live um i've got this little generator what kind of performance does webb simpson need to get to number one this week uh not that bad he needs to finish in his 68th percentile that is like an above average round for him but we're above average week for him but we're not asking him to do too much that is what gets him to first assuming everybody else has their average week so like it's it is incredibly easy for web to to get to the top here and there's a thought that's going to pop into your head if you're anything like me where does web really have the firepower to make up that kind of ground like you said last year all right rory's the rory's the floor here he's the guy and nobody behind rory can if rory was at four under last year it would have been the same thing because you know what kind of firepower Rory has and you know what kind of record he has at this venue. You look at Webb Simpson, who has a pretty good record here. He Mm -hmm. leads the tour in scoring average, adjusted scoring average, and he leads the tour in birdie average. I don't know how you get more firepower than that. So, yeah, he's at a little bit of a distance distance disadvantage, but not that much. I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling Webb here. I think he's the value play in this. I, uh, in this group. I also think that him skipping the BMW last week, uh, two things. It, it was the best possible outcome for him. He only lost one shot here at the torch. He could have lost three or four. He could have got passed by a bunch of guys last week and it didn't happen. The guys that were already ahead of him kind of stayed ahead of him. They just, they just uh, extended their lead and he only loses one shot for the tour championship and he got the week's worth of rest that he obviously thought was so important. I, I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. Here's the other thing you have to remember about this event. If you're a player, put put yourself in a player's shoes. 
you go into this and you are in third place. In previous years, it was unlikely that you would fall outside the top five, right? Maybe, maybe there's two or three guys that can pass you if you play really poorly. If you have one of those weeks where, look, it's the last week of the season. It's not going my way. I tried to win. I played my way out of it on Thursday. And you come in 30th place. You come in last. Well, this year, you're going to get 30th place money for the season. Your bonus money is going to be 30th for the season. Right. Whereas, so, so nothing is locked in other than the top 30. Um, so it's, it can be a big fall for a player. So coming in, knowing you can play well, depending on what you feel your chances are to actually win the thing, you, get, you have to play well. Wherever, whatever position you are, there's a lot to be gained financially. Uh, and there's a lot of spots you can make, and it makes a season that's okay look great. All of a sudden, you come in fifth place from even par. You, I mean, you can jump 25 spots, and it's not that out of the ordinary. For, for a lot of guys, winning is a challenge, which seems to be fair, but you can make up a ton of ground this week, which I, I think is pretty cool. That leaves us kind of here with uh, Morikawa and Bryson at the bottom end of this. Um, uh, so, so last year, I declared the furthest guy back that can win this thing is Rory McIlroy. He started five under. Uh, I hate declaring another one this year because I was right. I should just retire and just be like, that's it. Um, I, 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 the, the, the numbers are telling me Bryson's the furthest back we can go. Uh, he has the upside. He can win this. He, has, he, he would need a top-end performance from him, but he has that. We've seen it. Uh, he could win it. I think that's as far back as we can go. Meaning I think one of the winners is going to be Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Webb Simpson, Morikawa, or Bryson. That's it. So you don't think that it's, it's not a four under guy. It's Bryson specifically. Right. It's Bryson specifically. According to the numbers, which I, I bend the knee to the numbers. He is the only one of the, the four under guys who has a ceiling high enough to get there. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Um, Harris English has been playing great, but do you really think he's going to make up six shots on DJ? Uh, no, he, he just played one of his best tournaments of the year and lost to DJ by 11. It's just different, right? Like English is great because he's consistent, uh, right. but, but he's not a, like I need a, if you're six back, you need to go absolutely nuclear at times. And usually those guys also finish dead last. Well, Harris English, to his credit, doesn't. He just finishes 15th every single week. That's fine, but that's hard to make up six shots. I, I completely under... And Daniel Berger's kind of the same. Yeah. He falls into a very similar category to me where he's, reg, he's always going to be putting up really nice finishes. Wins are a little more rare. Missed cuts are also really rare. So a lot of benefit to that as a player, um, but not making up six shot leads and Sung JM, we just don't know where his game is. Right. So he it, doesn't know where his game is. Yeah. So you have to kind of look at him and, and he looks like a fade right now. So I, I think that's fair. And I may, I think, I think that's a, a, a really fair assessment. I, Rory, I know, I know what your numbers say. Um, but there are two guys in the three under range that kind of jump out to me and it's Rory and Xander yeah. just because we've seen Xander shoot, we, we saw him shoot 62 to chase down Gary Woodland. We saw him go really low to chase down Tony Finau in China, which you probably didn't see live because of the time zone. <laughs> Tape but, delay. <laughs> I mean, he, he's gone in some of these no-cut events. Just He's gone crazy towards the end. And I wonder with Xander, with his record that he has here at Eastlake, 
can he make a move? Again, I understand right, what your numbers say. It's probably a 1% chance, right? Let's let's jump down to those guys. So the the 8 to 9k range, yeah, it's got Xander at 89, uh, uh you know, Rory's in here at 97, 93. So so let's look at Xander. Xander is there's a reason he's been crowned the no-cut king, right? Four of his victories, uh three of them have been uh have been in no-cut events, including one here at the Tour Championship a couple of years ago, right? He, that was I believe his second victory. His, the Greenbrier was his first. So that means, Rick, that his last three victories have all been in no-cut events, which is fascinating. With Century Tournament of Champions last year, um, and then before that you had the HSBC in China, the World Golf Championship. So it, it's very interesting. I, I like Xander's game. I, I like where it is now. It's not as – it was going really steady for a while. Last couple of weeks didn't quite go the way that he hoped, but I don't think there's any glaring issue with, with Xander. So I think he's still kind of bubbling on the, on the mix here. I think he's in position where he could really, he could really challenge a leaderboard. And I like him at that 89K price point. I, I think that's a really fair price point for him. And you can fit him in with one of the, you could fit him in a lineup with a John Rom or even a Dustin Johnson. If you go back five years, no golfer in this field has averaged more strokes gained per round at the Tour Championship than Xander Shoffley, 1.93. Now, you asked me about his prospects of winning. So I separate this into two things. Can Xander provide value? Of course he can. Yes, I think that it, this is a good price. This is a great spot for him. Uh, he can fly up the leaderboard. Can he win the golf tournament? I, I calculate that he would need a 94th percentile performance that is essentially he would have to do what he did to gary woodland again at the tour champ at the uh tournament of so he would need less than what rory would need yeah because didn't I mean, you may have been off air when you told me rory needs a 99 99th percentile yeah i think that's right i think that's right yeah wow that's Be fascinating i mean because we because we've seen in these types of events at this course addition like i mean xander's xander's in a pretty good spot and for a good price I th I'd feel much better about him if he was four under, but I, I think that is also reflected in the price. So he's a, he's a big play for me. Do you, do you go with a safer guy? We mentioned Harris English, Daniel Berger. Um, I would put maybe Tony Finau in that category too. Do you, do you play a, a safer guy in this range? Do you think there's, I mean, you have to play somebody who's cheaper than the guys in the top five. So yeah. where do you go with guys that have a less likely chance of winning? Do you go safe? guys that are probably going to rise up the leaderboard, but slightly, or do you go with guys that have a, have a chance of really making some noise? Yeah. So that's interesting because I think the difference between like, um, you know, finishing position points for like 12th to 10th is not a big deal. Right. But like, I want my guys to go from 28th to ninth. Right. So I would prefer to take safer guys in the middle, higher upside guys down at the bottom. Um, you know, uh, burgers here, Harris English is fine. You know, Hideki's here. Hideki has sneakily gained strokes putting in his last three events. Think about that. What if, what if Hideki wow, just becomes a good, like, a, like an okay putter? Well, Hideki, when, when he starts to putt, he makes long putts. He'll, all of a sudden, he'll go crazy. I mean, there was a, this might have been two years ago, where he was making more feet of putts than anybody on the PGA Tour during the fall. There was a, a, a stretch where he was making just crazy long putts. It still doesn't calm my nerves with him putting because it, it, do, it doesn't answer the question of what does he do from four to eight feet, which I, I think is a very important 
range of putting because it, it's often par, those are often par putts. They're they're often very important putts because you feel like you should make them. So depending on regardless of what the score is, those affect your uh, your momentum. And with Hideki, he can really get hot with long. And we saw it last week, right? He's losing he's losing strokes all day on Thursday. Makes a sixty six footer on the eighteenth hole. <laughs> Boom! Now he's gaining. Classic. And that's kind of how I look at him with the strokes gain metric. Yeah, he kind of he kind of breaks it a little bit. Um, but he but he's playing well. I mean, I I like Hideki here. He's playing great. Finau's eighty two. You, you you mentioned him briefly. I mean, so he's going fifth at the BMW Championship, fourth at the PGA. Now he sandwiched that with a miscut at the Northern Trust. But his record here at Eastlake last year he finished seventh. I don't know where he started. I have to look that up. Finished seventh last year and seventh three years ago. Fifteenth in twenty eighteen. So at least you know, above average in his last three trips to, to Eastlake. Um, it's amazing where this guy is in the FedEx Cup race, right? I mean, he entered last week 29th. He has seven top tens this year. So um, it, it blows my mind that he's in this position where he was on the bubble of getting into the Tour Championship. He's a regular contender. So although he doesn't win very often, I really like the play of Tony Finau here because – as you said, Rick, when, once you get below a certain point, nobody really has a chance of winning. So who has a chance of climbing the leaderboard? Who has a chance of making a lot of birdies? Who has a chance of gaining you a lot of points? I think it, it's a pretty safe bet that Tony Finau is going to put together a really good week. And especially when he feels like he doesn't have a chance to win, uh, a la Sunday at the PGA Championship. Sunday <laughs> this past week um, at Olympia Fields, he plays great. And he moves up the leaderboard. And all of a sudden, you say, oh, there's Tony Fino. Another, he shot 66-65 in his last two Sunday rounds. So I, I'm looking at Tony saying he's a, a great value pick because I don't even know if he thinks he can win. And I think, I think that's going to free him up. I think it's actually a good thing this week. There is something dangerous about some of these guys down in the middle and the bottom just freewheeling it for four days. Um, Finau, so he started three under last year, which would have been essentially where he – where he finished. So three started three under he played East Lake at four under. So he finished seven under aggregate, uh, for eight. Uh, I think he started in a tie for 11th and basically finished seventh. So he improved his position a bit, which is good. Yeah. Just a little bit. Hey, another guy I want to ask you about, cause sure. you brought something up earlier where guys that are way down, you're looking for guys who can, who, who can pop yeah. up. They can come in last or they can yeah. win. Do you look at Patrick Reed in that light? I know it's, he hasn't been great here. His best finish at Eastlake is at least what I was just looking at is tied nine. Yeah, so and that was the I, staggered start. That, that's, that's my problem with him, right? You nailed it. You nailed it. It's, it's I, I think, can, does he check off the boxes of can he get hot? Yes, he does. Um, does he? Okay, so he's been bad with his ball striking the last couple of weeks, but that is not uncharacteristic. He does that all the time. He'll go two or three weeks and then something will click and he'll post a top 10. He does it routinely all the time. So I'm not that worried about it. Uh, I know the putter can get scorching, which I love. The only thing, Greg, is he has a pretty extensive history of not playing well here. Like pretty extensive. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think that's worrisome, especially when you're not in great form coming in. I can look past that if you're extremely confident and riding high and there's no sign that I can see that says, hey, Patrick Reed's really aiming for a, for a big week. He's, yeah, I agree with you, Rick. He's a fade for me. He, okay, so here's his last six years. So I'll go last year, ninth, 28th, which is 
third from last, 13th, 24th, 27th, 19th. And then, oh, by the way, in case you thought that 2019 finish was actually good, uh, it wasn't. He started fourth. Uh, he was six under. He played one over for the week and finished ninth. So, I mean, it, it, he, something about Eastlake does not fit for Mr. Patrick Reed. Yeah, so I, I, I'm pretty safe to say that he's out. I noticed in your, in your notes here, you also have McElroy as a fade. Um, is, that a, is that a price-related thing? Because I'm looking at Rory. Rory has a great record here. Yep. I know you said that he probably isn't going to win. At 9,700, are you thinking he's got to really contend and, and nearly win to add value? Yeah, so I, c- I clearly understand that Rory has do- kind of dominated here, and he's Rory McIlroy, and he might be on yeah. the verge of snapping out of this little funk that he's in and all that stuff. I, I-, I get that. My only issue is you're- you're- I feel like you're paying for it. Um, for him to be $9,700, you're paying for what he did last year, which has come from five shots back and win. You're paying for the 2016 version of Rory, which he won here. Um, and unfortunately, like, yeah, he's, I, I don't think he's going to win. Like, I don't think he can win. I just think it's outside his range of outcomes, even if he plays lights out, um, which worries me. Now, I, I already got questions about this, Greg. Um, will his wife have the baby this week? I, I'm not in the baby predicting industry. Uh, so I'm just not going to, I'm not going to bother about that. Rory, Rory will play golf when golf is there and we'll have his baby when the baby is there. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I agree. But you know, it, it does bring up an interesting question. And if you don't like him for those reasons, you add that into the mix and not even if it actually happens, you don't even have to predict it, but is Rory going to be thinking about it? I, I would say it's extremely likely that he is. Um, and he's kind so of already told I, us I, that he, he kind of already told us that he is. You know? Yeah, you've been wondering what's on my mind. Well, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. So and, that, and that's enough for me. It's enough for me too, man. I mean, listen, I love Roy. I hope he I hope he wins this thing. I hope he wins this thing and Monday morning has his has his baby girl. That'd be awesome. But like, I don't know. Not not for me this week. I won't be on it. Um what we're gonna do is we gotta get into the values because I think this is this is where we're going to win all the money. This is where I think there's a lot of intriguing options. But first, we're gonna take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you still suffering from supply chain issues? Are they disrupting your operations? Well, have no fear because Graybar has you covered and you can rely on their nationwide logistics network to get what you need, where they need, when they need to get there and all within budget. Graybar is a trusted and leading North American distributor of electrical communications, data networking, industrial products, literally supporting products of any 
industry, construction, hospitals, industrial plants, schooling, it doesn't matter. Just one clear mission to serve as that vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. So here's what you need to do. Visit graybar.com to start an order today. Visit graybar.com to start an order today and fix those supply chain issues with Graybar. And we're back. Greg, we've been answering some questions via iTunes, Apple Podcast reviews. So if you want us to answer your questions, go ahead, drop a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Leave a question, whatever you want to talk about, DFS, betting, Greg's hobbies and passions. I don't know, whatever you want. We'll answer it here on the pod. Just get it into the podcast. How about that? Yeah, I like it. We're an open book over here. Anything you want to know. Uh, I'm here to talk about it. Yeah, we'll go rogue for a bit. Okay, um, six to $7,000 range. There's only like four guys technically in that range. So it's Bre- uh, Brendan Todd, the Todd father, 7,600. Sung J M 73. Kevin Kisner, 68. And Abe Answer, 61. Those are the only four in that entire range. Uh, I-, I don't know if you have to play any of them, uh, but is there someone in here you like the most, Greg? Uh, interesting. So... Or we can go through. One, or do you want to go through one by one? You just want to go through one by one. Well, we, we can mention. It. So you want to go? You want to go in the six K range? Six, yeah, six to seven. There's okay. four guys. Oh, there. so, yeah. all right. If you so if yeah. you include if you include seven, um, you know it's funny. Seven only interests me a little bit. I guess Scotty Scheffler always has your interest, right? Because he, he always performs better than his finishing position. So yep. there's some value there you may be paying for it this week. I, I think 79 for Scheffler is a little high this week. So I'm not crazy about it, but I, I wouldn't hold that against you to play him. Kisner's a guy I'm looking at who I think is playing great golf. Um, he's, he is very familiar with the golf course. He's familiar with, um, with the area, and he tends to play well um, in, in this area of the world. Now, looking at some of his finishes – he has a tied third in 2017. Last year, tied ninth. Which, looking at his actual scores, yep, he was um, he, he finished. He yeah, started. Okay. So he shot. He shot three under. Yeah, he started 16th, and finished ninth. Yeah, so not not terrible. And I think Kisner's playing really well right now. I think he's found something. He's got a little confidence going uh, with the putter. So Kisner's a guy that has my interest in here. That's, uh, that's mine too. I was wrong that there was more than four people in here. I don't know what I was looking at. <laughs> so that, that was me confusing you. Um, but yes, Kisner, Kisner with four top 25s uh, in his last five starts, all good. I think Joaquin Neiman is the exact type of guy that I think can be the Ches Reeve this year. Which You is, think he can go back-to-back performances like that? That's my only issue is there's no evidence of it, right? There's no, there's no evidence of him doing it twice in a row, but there's also no evidence of him like in a 30 man field either. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Like, I don't know the way he did it last week. He led the field in strokes gained T degree. Um, the way that he, what touched the lead on the back nine on Sunday, the way that he flew up the leaderboard at RBC heritage, just a couple of, I mean, it feels like a couple of weeks ago. It's probably eight weeks ago at this point, but like that's the ability uh, and the style of play that I think can fly up a leaderboard. So he starts what? I don't know, a two under. If he finished ninth, if he finished ninth, I think you'd have to be thrilled with his performance. 
it would be a really solid performance. And, and I would love to see that from Joaquin. I'd love to see the back-to-back weeks of great play uh, on two different style golf courses, different kind of grasses on each of them. I, I would love to see it. So I, I think he's worth taking a risk. I, I think you definitely throw him in a couple of your lineups because um, he has some real firepower. He can pop. So I, I'd love it. Um, but I, I have, there's an, another guy here who is like, as he's not erratic in his play, but maybe in his behavior, he is a little bit with, yes. with Hatton. <laughs> what do you think about Hatton sitting at seven flat? I feel like that's a, a good buy, but is he too far out of it? Are we going to see him maybe eject because it's like, he, he can't win. So it doesn't really matter. Where, where do you gauge Hatton this week? It's, it's weird. So it's one thing to be out of it on Friday or Saturday, like in the thick of a tournament. I don't know if these guys are treating it differently when, and I shouldn't say this because professional golfers never feel this way. Like he might know he's out of it on Friday morning. You know what I mean? And I know every single golfer will tell you, Oh no, I'm not too far back. I can shoot 60, 61, 60 and get back into this thing. But like, I wonder if he's, if he, has come to terms with like, okay, I'm eight off the pace already. Let me see how much I can move up. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's different when you, when you can reconcile starting eight shots back and not that you've played yourself out of the golf tournament. I I think players know, they know for real inside if they have that kind of, if they have that kind of start in them, sometimes they surprise themselves and do it, but, but he knows right now if he, if he really has a chance or not. Um, and if he doesn't, my fear is that he's going to finish tied 29th because he <laughs> right? So that, that's just my, my worry with him yet at the same time, if you look at this group to me, he's the, I mean, he, he's the best player in this group in the six and seven case. He's had the best year. He's been a guy who led the tour and strokes gained total. He, he, he didn't play a lot, but he won the Arnold Palmer invitational, one of the hardest golf courses of the year. That's and the he didn't finish outside the top six for like an extremely long period of time so i look at him as having a really high ceiling i just worry the the floor is the i the floor is the bottom of the pack right it's the floor is last for him which gives me some concern the floor is like the center of the earth for terrell hatton um (laughs) i I do think i do think the api victory is noteworthy because uh, East Lake is no small task. I, I mean, it was no. it was 14th out of 49 in terms of difficulty last season, and you can just look through the scores. I mean, there's a lot of scores over 70 last year. I mean, this this is yeah. gonna be a grind your way through it, and two or three under a day uh, is is gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because you you're way back. The idea is okay. I gotta hit it at every flat. Yeah. But, you're going to get out there and realize, okay, I can't hit it at that flag. Okay. I have a five iron now. I can't hit it at that flag. Can't hit it. And you, you all of a sudden you're either going to play your way out of it immediately (laughs) with a double. I mean, think about it. If you're sitting at 200 par and you make a double in the first five hole, you're, you're done, right? Your, your tournament is over. So you can't afford a mistake yet. You need to make birdies. So it's a really challenging position to be in. If you're way back there on a hard golf course like this. Now, it does open up some room at the top. There's, there's a, a greater chance that the top stalls out when the golf course plays really firm. And a 66 like John Rahm shot on Saturday, well, nice. that vaults you way up a leaderboard. And that only happens if it plays hard in the afternoon. It plays harder in the afternoon than the morning. 
So I, I don't know. I, I find that interesting, but I worry that if you get into that position where right away you don't feel like you have it, all of a sudden, are you going to, are you going to check out because it's a grind? That's Greg Ducharme, everybody calling John Rom 66 on Saturday last week. And then a bunch of tickets getting cashed, 125, 150. Yeah, one. oh. and thank you for everybody. Thank you for sharing those with us. Cause it, it, I mean, look, that's why we do it. We do it to help you out. So we enjoy it. And when you share, when you share the good news personally, I love it. It makes my day. So thank you to everybody. Love to see it. Under $6,000 hairs. So this is, uh, man, this is where you've got the guys that are starting, you know, two under, one under, even par. These are the guys that do unlock a lot of the DJ lineups, a lot of the John Rom lineups. These, like, there is someone in here that is going to finish 11th and is going to win someone all the money. Like, I- I'm fairly certain of that. So here are the names. Uh, Sebastian Munoz, Billy Horschel, Lonto Griffin, Kevin Na, Ryan Palmer, Cameron Champ, Mackenzie Hughes, Cameron Smith, and Mark Leishman, Greg. Where is your finger on the pulse of the sub-six Ks? It's fascinating to me. And I love this because it's so. this is such an important area. Um, it, because of what it allows you to do at the top. So, and, and, and it's really the key to the strategy is what you do down here. Yep. Um, so I love it because some of these guys are really, like, I look at Billy Horschel and Billy Horschel has, and you tweeted this out today, which was, it was great. The exact same playing record as Xander Shoffley. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? The exact same. <laughs> so it, it, it's great. I look at Billy Horschel and I say, okay, he's fired up to be in here. He doesn't care that he came in in the 30th spot. He's psyched about it and he's playing great. He's striking it so nicely. Um, and he's going to a golf course he's familiar. So Billy Horschel's the guy to me that I think unlocks all the dollars. Uh, and then one other guy who I think it has a great attitude this year, and I think he's going to enjoy playing, even though he doesn't have a chance to win. You're going to see a lot of smiles out of him, and I think you can see him move up the leaderboard as Ryan Palmer. I, I like Ryan Palmer. I was uh, I was a big fan of Ryan Palmer last week. I think he played. I can't remember what round it was, but he played himself out of it uh, for one round. But he wasn't that. Yeah. He wasn't as bad as I feel like as his as his finishing position would indicate. Uh, I've got the guy who's going to unlock all the money for you. So you've got you've got Billy Horschel, who I do enjoy. I think that's I think that's a good one. I think it's Mackenzie Hughes. I I think Mackenzie Hughes, who is two hundred dollars off the min, he's fifty two hundred dollars. Uh, there's a lot of things to like. Okay. To use your word, Greg, uh, he's a popper. Okay. Uh, yes, he, he, exactly. He can miss a cut, although he's not going to miss a cut this week. He can miss a cut or he can finish top 10 any single week. Uh, he has five top 15 finishes in his last 10 starts, but I care about where he's having this success, Greg. Here we go. 10th at Olympia Fields, very difficult. 6th at Mirfield Village, very difficult. 2nd at PGA National, oh, by the way, very difficult. Where are we going this week? Eastlake, oh, very difficult. I'm, I'm sensing a trend here. I'm sensing a guy who can find top 10s on difficult golf courses where he doesn't have to shoot 25 under par, and he can finish ninth mm, here and win everybody all the money. And, and he's a grinder. He, he's going to grind it out, which I love. And you love a guy who is excited for the opportunity to play. And that's what I really feel like with him. He's not feeling like there. When you get into a tournament like this, 
it's almost like um, like March Madness. You get into a, a basketball bracket. There are certain teams that are happy to be there. The goal at the end of the year was just to get to the tournament, and they did that. And they're going to be likely to be first round outs. Then there are teams that are um, maybe they expect to be there, and their seed falls as they get in. So they maybe it's like Kansas gets in, and they're an eight seed for the year. And it's a it's a strange place to be because they expect to be in the tournament. But they also they expect to have a real chance of winning. And when you're in that seed, you may not have that chance. So for me, Mackenzie Hughes is really he's he's happy to be here, which is my worry. Yet at the same time, he's not gonna there's no way that Mackenzie Hughes is apathetic about being here and being so far back. Where if you look at um, and I, I'm not sure there's a great example, but maybe like Mark Leishman. Mark Leishman is a, a type of player who may have had winning the FedEx Cup on his goal sheet for the year. And now he comes in and he's, That's true. Um, you know, he, he's way back. He, ha- he has this, this ceiling for Mark Leishman is really high and he can contend with the best of the best on the PGA Tour. Yet, now he's kind of out of it. And I could see, and I don't mean to pick on him, but I, I could see him being like, okay, well, is this really worth it for me? I can't win. I'm tired. It's been a long year. This really just isn't for me. I don't see that happening with Mackenzie Hughes. So I think he's going to grind out every shot. I know you love that. I love his I putting. I love his short game. I love the Mackenzie Hughes play. Okay. Uh, not to pick on Mark Leishman and Cam Smith, but let's, I'll pick on them just for a second. Um, since the restart, which is like our natural way of starting to look at stats, it's very, you know, it's a very concrete point. They're the only two guys in this field that have lost strokes to the tour on average. Uh, they're the only two. Cam Smith's a small loser, 0.12. And Mark Leishman, I mean, no thanks to what he did last week, which was, I don't know, 20, I don't know what he was, 27 over. I don't know what his final number was. So, yeah, it was there at one point, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, he's losing a stroke and a half to the field since the restart. They're the only two guys. They're the only two guys in the, in the entire field. Sung J M, unfortunately, he's the, he's the first guy on the positive end of it. But I, I just I can't find myself wanting to back them uh, after. I mean, it's been a pretty sustained poor run for them. I don't care if they're five thousand fifty one hundred. I just I don't know how I can get there without just throwing an absolute dart. Yeah, you're you're that's right. Even if they went on to play great and they were the Ches Reeve, it'd be a bad pick. It's an it's a, an irresponsible pick. Even if it works, it's just not the way to go because there's no sign that there's no sign of life there. There, I mean, you're talking about Mark Leishman coming off a, a 27 over, or at least he, at some point he was 27 over. That's that's a sign of a guy who's not in control of his ball. And to think that he's going to go to East Lake and suddenly find it and it's going to click is unreasonable. Could it happen? Of course. Will it? No. And Cam Smith, since the restart, has not done anything. He, has, he was great beforehand. Yeah. The President's Cup, I felt like, really moved him and inspired him. And he, he, he played some great golf. And the restart, it's, he's one of the guys that it really hurt. It, it hurt him. He didn't come back. He, he didn't come out of the restart on the, on the positive side. No pun intended. So I, I, I worry about him. One other guy I got to get your thoughts on. Sure. Um, and he's, a, he's the fantasy darling. He's the value darling of the PGA Tour. It's Lonto Griffin. Yeah, baby. What do you think? So we have this thing um, in the DFS world where it's when Lonto's sub 7K, you just, you just lock him in. Uh, he's sub 6K. So I was getting tweets like, oh, now what? Like, I don't know. We're in uncharted territory. I think you just play him. I don't know. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm, I've been really impressed. And I've been really impressed all year with his ability to 
continue to post top 20s. And even when he had bad stretches, he would figure it out and he would post another top 20 and his price never moved all year. Uh, finished 10th last week. Finished 10th at Olympia Fields. Yeah. I mean, he didn't play well at the Northern Trust, but he at least made the cut and he finished 19th at, at the PGA Championship. I mean, this this guy, those are the two, you know, uh, Olymp- uh, Harding Park and Olympia Fields, uh, they're tough. We're going to get another tough one this week. Lonto's a yeah. grinder. He's a grinder. And he hits it a long way. He's got he's got the makeup of his game is built to handle these tough golf courses. And even where he won the Houston Open, that's a that's not an easy golf course either. It's true. Um, so I know sometimes they can go a little bit low there, but it's not an easy golf course. So I think Lonto's makeup is the I think he is the safest player in this range. And I wouldn't I wouldn't play too many lineups without him. So. Uh, real quick, we have just, you know, we've got a couple of minutes here. Uh, our friends at Bill Hill, William Hill. Uh, so you can bet who wins with or without the strokes, Greg, which I think is kind of interesting, which is interesting because like the player, the golfers aren't playing like, like I, I want my golfers to know what score they have to shoot to win. They don't know that like, they're not playing for the same goal as you are when you bet them. It's very interesting. If they're calculating that in their head, there's uh, <laughs> maybe a scandal going on. So I don't think that's going to happen. I agree. You don't know where you stand. So you're, you'll take a chance. It's a, it's a nightmare if you're betting without the strokes. And you get somebody in the mix taking an unnecessary risk oh, on a no. hole because they're two back. And, but they're, really, they're one ahead with this secondary scoring, which nobody really <laughs> cares about. And they – so – you get into some disaster situations. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of staying away from that. And I think you, you stick with the, with the strokes format, you know, look, you could have a little bit of fun. I just think, I mean, you're talking about serious sweats. So I think last year, uh, Rory, Rory won them both. So it didn't really matter. Rory won both with and without the strokes. Uh, but just to kind of put this into perspective of who Vegas thinks is the best golfer, Dustin Johnson's five to one without the strokes. Uh, John Rahm is five and a half. And then there's a big jump to JT and Rory. They're both 10 to one. And then Xander's 12 to one, Bryson and Webb. Like Webb at 14 to one in a 30-man field. I know. I love I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to do the math all week long and I don't want to like wonder if Webb's on the same page as I am, but like, I like that in a vacuum, just like 14 to one. I like that too. I would, I would throw that out there and see what happens at the end of the week. No math. If you want to put one, we'll, we'll say one unit on Webb uh, at 14 to one with no strokes. I think that's a, I think that's a good play. Um, but don't don't sweat your don't count don't count it up throughout the week. You're gonna you're gonna have a nightmare. It's bad for your health. Don't do it. You know who's a big time sweater? Producer Jacob sweats his bets hard. Oh yeah, super oh, yeah. hard. He lost. He pushed a bet with Paul Casey holding out for Eagle on the seventy second hole last week. Who was it against? Producer Jacob. I couldn't remember. It was Paul Matthew Casey. Wolf. Matthew so Wolf. Paul, I took Wolf oh. over Casey, <laughs> and. Uh, Wolf had two-stroke lead going into the 72nd hole of the matchup. Paul Casey sitting at 130 yards away, holes out from Eagle. How about that? He's I a mean, great ball striker, I mean, Bruce Jacob. We should have <laughs> known. We should have known John Rahm and DJ would just be draining putts on 18. It funnels. It funnels. Did it you watch it, or funnels. did you just did you see it, or did you see it on Shotlink? It was never, never sniffed on the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we assume Shotlink. we assume it funneled back down into the cup. 
that's our assumption. You, you, the only thing about that, Jacob, is there's always that hope. It's a shot link era. Era. Yeah. Be yeah. a shot link error. Be a shot. They're That's not what changing I thought it. First. They're not changing it. They're not changing it. They're yeah. not changing it. Final. <laughs> yeah. After five minutes, when they don't change it, you know you're in big time trouble. Yeah. You start. You start. You start doing your count like uh, like an NBA ref. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It counts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. It, it might have been the worst beat. That's that's worse than the than the like last minute punt return that tips the over or, or well, switches the under. You know. The only thing is you pushed it. At least you oh. pushed it. Yeah. He was already counting it. He, he, he already counted. spent it. I think he already spent it. <laughs> yeah. On, never, never mind. Well, you know, we're running <laughs> long anyway. That's a different pod. Um, don't forget, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. It's at First Cut Pod. That is where the weekly cheat sheet is posted and you know producer jacob condenses all this info oh by the way greg had john rom as his winner last week so if you followed that you got it before the tournament then if you listened on friday you got it at 150 to one so greg's greg made everybody a lot of money with john rom last week um and we are gonna be coming at you a lot of stuff coming you know you never know what's happening so things you love to see things you love to see greg thanks for joining me bud always a lot hey, of fun. thanks for this is always a, always a fun one yeah, you can find Greg on Twitter at the real GFD. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.